0: All right, we're live, pal. This is the spoiler-free wrestling podcast. We're also going live on YouTube. And the number one thing that I want to talk about today, never mind who Brock Lesnar is facing at SummerSlam. Never mind who's facing Chris Jericho at All Out. Bray Wyatt debuted... The Fiend, last night on Raw. And it was the first time that we've seen Bray Wyatt's Fiend character live. Now, we've we've met the Fiend through the Firefly Funhouse. We've followed Bray Wyatt on social media. But this is the first time in 2019, this is the first time since... He was a part of a tag team with Matt Hardy that we've seen Bray Wyatt live on Raw. He was at a house show. He did a couple of house shows. But this was the debut of his new Fiend character. And there had been some question coming into this. I mean, obviously a lot of buzz around the Firefly Funhouse episodes. A lot of buzz. They got millions of downloads. A lot of buzz around the Firefly Funhouse, but some critics, and there's there's always naysayers no matter what it is, but some said that, oh, well, when he gets back in the ring, it's going to be the same old, same old. Because we have seen Bray Wyatt go through kind of transformations before. And then he always just reverted back to the kind of backwoods preacher kind of character. But this was very clear last night that the Bray Wyatt character is going to be based around The Fiend. So here's the character as I understand it. So Bray Wyatt back last year, he was a tag team with Matt Hardy. They were called the Deleters of Worlds. And Hardy got injured. The team broke up why it goes away. While he goes away, he obviously was doing quite a lot of the muscle man dance because he came back in great shape. But obviously, it was time for a a gimmick change or some type of, of change to the character. So while he's gone, while he's rehabbing, He starts sending out these bizarre tweets and he would later delete these. He left them up for a while, but he would delete them. He deleted all of his tweets when he came back as the Yowie Wowie Bray Wyatt. So completely wiped his Twitter clean. And you could say that this was even like a symbolic thing. Like he's a brand new person now, right? So he had sent out um a tweet on October 14th, 2018. And the tweet said day 23, subject is showing signs of progress at times. Violent outbursts are commonplace, spewing threats at our staff in multiple languages and reciting passages from the Bible. So it sounds like this tweet that he sent out was actually um like notes from say, an institution of type. Like, say he was being treated at an institution and the notes from his doctors or whoever was taking care of him were were going out on his Twitter. And then, so the next day, another tweet goes out that says, Day 3. Subject believes God as well as several other entities speak to him directly. They give him a scapegoat. Uh, Then some stuff that doesn't totally make sense. Uh, He was attempting to repent through torture. Masochistic tendencies pray that after so many treatments, he will be free of this affliction once and for all. Sincerely, Dr. M. So this tweet is kind of coming out from a mysterious Dr. M. And at this time that he's sending these, Bray Wyatt wasn't on TV. He was off. He wasn't injured. Matt Hardy was. Yada, yada. So that's going on. That that was in October of last year. Then in December of last year, he sent out a tweet which said that he no longer believes himself to be a god. You know how that had been kind of part of his thing for a long time? Is he... Sort of said he was a god. Well, anyway, so on December 17th, he tweeted out, I'm not a god. I never was. I'm sorry I said it. I was wrong. I know the true god now and all his power. I feel that I am forgiven for all the wickedness I have caused. My soul is clean now. My mind is clear. I see what I did wrong. What was done to me, they took it all. And then after that, oh, and then that was part of sort of like a thing. And so the next part of that message is, I have so many things to fix. I realized that I was sick. My mind doesn't work like other people's. It gets lost and attached to ideals that are unrealistic and poisonous. My next journey will be to find my true calling. And we're in that next journey now, it sounds like. So, what it sounds like to me is that Wyatt went to some type of institution last fall, and he was treated, as mentioned in the tweets. He thought he was—he uh, was telling the staff he was a god. He was spewing threats and. All this other gobbledygook. And then we don't hear from Wyatt again until he shows up after WrestleMania this year in the Firefly Funhouse. And Wyatt makes it clear during the episodes of the Firefly Funhouse that he's not the same person. He's not that bad man that he was before. And in fact, in the very first episode of the Firefly Funhouse, he took a chainsaw to a cutout of his old self. I mean, that's fairly symbolic. You don't have to be, you know, inside Bray Wyatt's head to get what's going on there. And then when we get, I mean, we meet all his new friends, But then in episode four, we meet the Fiend. And how Wyatt describes the Fiend in episode four of the Firefly Funhouse is that, well, he said, he says the lines, Oh, don't worry, there's still a lot of darkness up in this here noggin, or something along those lines. And then he says, But now I've learned to harness and control it. And then we meet the fiend. So the fiend is Bray Wyatt's darkness, his evil, brooding, dark passenger, controlled. And in the fifth episode, we saw Wyatt kind of had a a paper plate mask that was similar to to the Fiend mask. And he, he would say that when he puts it on, he can do anything. And so I think what what we're going to see from the character is this dueling personality where cutting the promos and being the voice of Wyatt and the Fiend is... Bray Wyatt's yowie wowie, you know, Firefly funhouse apologizing to everyone, being all nice. That's the that's the goodness in Bray Wyatt. But that's not the Bray Wyatt who wrestles. That's not the Bray Wyatt who goes to the ring and you know lays out Finn Balor with the sister Abigail. And so you've got these a very unique styled gimmick where Wyatt's almost, where where the character who talks is different from the character who wrestles. They're the same guy, but they have different personalities depending on outside of the ring or in the ring or just when he's harnessing his darkness. And I thought it was interesting that Finn Balor was the first person that he took out. If you remember, uh, I don't know when this was. I don't care to remember when this was either. Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt were involved in a storyline about how they each had almost like an alter ego and and, and, uh, like an Alternate identity. Finn Balor has the demon. and Bray Wyatt would talk about Sister Abigail. But during that storyline, we learned that Sister Abigail is not a separate per like kind of like in psycho, how the guy sort of took on the persona of his mother, of his dead mother. Bray Wyatt took on the persona. Of Sister Abigail. And so I guess we don't know if Sister Abigail actually did ever exist at some point. So maybe, maybe... There... That's part of the reason why Wyatt chose to attack Finn Balor. But regardless, I think another important part that we found out last night, or I hope we found out last night, was that he's going to wrestle with the mask on. Um, And I think that's important because it makes the character feel so much different from other things that we've seen Bray Wyatt do. And I want to talk a little bit about the mask that... Uh, Wyatt's wearing, because there's some details behind this that are kind of interesting. So, Wyatt's mask, and I wrote an article about this on sescoops.com that you can check out. Uh, It's just details on Bray Wyatt's creepy new mask. And um, so, when Wyatt was off, I guess he had come up with an idea for this new character. And he went to a tattoo artist who I don't know if he's Wyatt's tattoo artist. Um, uh, Oh, a couple of people saying that they hope Bray Wyatt's on SmackDown tonight. That's interesting. Would Bray Wyatt be on SmackDown tonight? I kind of hope I got to say though like I kind of hope that he's just on raw like I Smackdown could turn out to be kind of bad soon. It, so you have to you have to figure Eric Bischoff is is coming into Smackdown. We don't really know what we're going to get there. But from the sounds of it, Bray Wyatt is sort of running his own angle here. Um and so it was, this was Wyatt's idea, this fiend character, and he went to his tattoo artist, or, well, who I'm assuming is his tattoo artist, uh, this guy named Kyle Scarborough, and and he's, he kind of told his tattoo artist the idea but he needed somebody to sketch out the images because he had to take those to Vince McMahon. And so this guy, this tattoo artist, uh, wrote this long message the day after the, the, uh, the Fiend episode of Firefly Funhouse came out. So this, this was on May 14th. This guy wrote this right after the Fiend mask debuted for the first time. He said, from concept to reality, this is surreal. I'll never forget the night Bray texted me, beyond excited with this idea he has, and needed my help. He called me, and with the excitement of a child, he ran off this long list of descriptions and concepts, flooding my text messages with doodles and images. He had an idea in mind that needed help. He had the team of people to create the idea, but didn't have the vision. I've never been more scared to take 20 ideas and details and try to create a drawing that showcased his thoughts. And so he goes on to talk about basically Bray Wyatt, um, gay, you know, listed off the idea that he had for the character. Then this tattoo artist drew up the sketches for the mask. And then I guess Wyatt was so impressed. He told the guy, Oh, you've saved my career. And that, that's what the guy wrote on Facebook. Is that Wyatt told him that he saved his career, which I don't think that I. I think Wyatt's career was fairly safe. Um, but uh, uh, um. Yeah, I. I don't know. Uh, sorry, there's a question in the chat. Is he not allowed to use the sister Abigail name anymore? Um, I don't know. I don't believe the commentators have been referring to... Like, like there's Abby the Witch, who... I mean, that's a take on Sister Abigail, but we don't hear about Sister Abigail anymore. And I feel like that could be, and this is just speculation, that could be more in an effort to distance his current character with his old character. I I mean, he's doing this because it's a it's a fresh take on his character right like it's it's a, a total i mean it's a transformation but it's not a complete transformation right like it's still an extent- like uh it's it's his character's changed but it's the same character it's just his character's taken a real turn and i think that turn is while he was away he was institutionalized. They rehabilitated him, and now his darkness, his brooding anger is this thing that he can control, and he controls it by putting on this mask, and that's what has made Bray Wyatt now the the character, um, has new life, you know? it's It's a different character, and also it's a reason why the character, um... Like could be better, (laughs) you know, like like not the character, but like better at wrestling, like in storyline, Bray Wyatt is now a better wrestler, is better at winning wrestling matches because he's learned to harness his darkness and control his his fiend and let it out at opportunistic times for him. And so this could be a reason why you could push Bray Wyatt back into the world title picture, and you could easily put the fiend on a massive, undefeated streak like why like and there's no reason why they wouldn't try to do that if I mean, if you listen to w w e s shareholders yada yada, they always talk about social media numbers and and all this stuff. Like, what has better social media numbers than this Bray Wyatt stuff? Like, like, there is such a buzz. There's an unignorable buzz to what Bray Wyatt is doing right now. And he's absolutely going to be given the platform to do it. And by the sounds of it, he's being given creative license. He was the one that went out and got the tattoo artist to do up the designs. He was the one that took the designs to Tom Savini's team. And I hope I'm not uh, pronouncing that wrong. uh, Because this guy is like legendary in horror, special effects. Um, I'm just going to... I'm just pulling up this article again. So Tom Savini... Uh, And this, again, is from this article I wrote for SCScoops.com. And he's done special effects for, like, Friday the 13th, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, like, all sorts of top-notch horror movies. And he's also done, um, I guess not, like, special effects, but, like, I guess it's costume design. But for stuff like this, it seems so much, it seems like special effects, you know. And so it was his team behind this mask. And this is and so this guy who works on Tom Savini's special effects uh team went on the wrestling reality podcast with this I I believe it's Justin Labar who is the host of that podcast and he is a longtime wrestling writer. Like Justin Labar's been writing about wrestling As far as I can remember, anyway. Um, And so this is how this guy, Jason Baker, who works with Tom Savini's special effects team, this is how he described Bray Wyatt. Like, he was working with Bray Wyatt, and this is how he described him. The razor's edge between genius and insanity, and that man walks that razor's edge constantly. Very, very smart. Smarter than a lot of people give him credit for. Great to collaborate with. You think you're going to throw an idea at him? He comes back with eight. You think you're going to hit him up with a piece of trivial trivial knowledge? He'll hit right back. He'll see your trivial knowledge and then raise you. He is a unique, unique human being. It's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to get to collaborate with this gentleman, with someone who just puts such a thought process into his craft. And I think that's what... Uh someone's saying Bray, his is the new underw Undertaker, Bray versus Finn at SummerSlam. If if Finn Balor wants revenge for for what happened last night on Raw, maybe we will get Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt at SummerSlam. Um Yeah, I, I mean I think that's Bray Wyatt is He's one of those guys where he has a lot of fans where his fans to his fans he is their absolute favorite. Like how do I want to explain this? It was the the same thing was the case with Jake "The Snake" Roberts. Jake "The Snake" Roberts maybe didn't have as many fans as Hulk Hogan, but the people who who were Jake, the snake Roberts fans were like really big Jake, the snakes, Robert Roberts fans. Like they liked him more than Hogan, you know? And, uh, and I think that's the case with Wyatt. There's a lot of people, especially right now, not probably more so now than at any other point in his career, people are tuning in and he is their favorite part of the show. And I think he's, I mean, For me personally, the stuff that he's done since WrestleMania, since the Firefly Funhouse debuted, so we're talking like April, May, June. So there was three months, three months of stuff going on and none of it took place in the ring. Like it was all Firefly Funhouse vignettes. And then it was Mercy the Buzzard is showing up backstage or Abby the Witch is showing up backstage. And and so much of what was going on with the Bray Wyatt angle was left unsaid. It was left up to speculation. Like, it was left up to speculation as to just what exactly is going on with the Firefly Funhouse in the first place. There have been people who have suggested that Firefly Funhouse is limbo. Like, they are in a type of purgatory. And that was, I mean, almost said. When Abby the Witch, on an episode of Firefly Funhouse, said... Um... Why won't you let me rest? And it was this idea that Wyatt is doing something to not let Abby the witch I die? I guess. What's going on with Tatanka here in the chat? I am also a huge Tatanka fan. Um, Tatanka, one of my most widely used legends on WWE 2K19, Tatanka. Um, Tatanka was great I saw Tatanka wrestle in Maple Leaf Gardens this would have been the late 80s or possibly early 90s I think late 80s and it was before he had been given the name Tatanka it was Chris Chavick. Chavick. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce it Um, but yeah man Tatanka. Tatanka is sort of the way to do it too. He, you know, wrestled around, made a bunch of money, and then retired, and and you've never heard of anything bad going on with him. And he comes back from time to time. I wonder if Tatanka will be there for the Raw Reunion. Does anybody know if Tatanka will be at the Raw Reunion? Question for the chat to find out. Will Tatanka be at the Raw Reunion next week? But yeah. <laughs> um. So, now what comes next for Wyatt? He's gonna like. Obviously, we're gonna get Wyatt's first match back at SummerSlam. And you know what's interesting? Do you remember? Yeah, Chris Chavis, Chavis or something, Tatanka. Um. What was I saying? Do you remember, like in May, I think it was May, there was all these rumors that Wyatt was scheduled to be back on Raw, but that was when his kid was born. Or baby. I guess they start off at as babies and then they become kids. <clears throat> I'm not sure on the current terminology. But, so him and JoJo had a baby. And they gave it the best... Baby name of all time. Uh, and it's like Nash. Hold on. What is Bray Wyatt's baby name? And it's like Nash Six. Uh, yeah, Nash Six Rotunda or something like that. And no, no Tatanka? Tatanka won't be. At the Raw reunion. Oh, no. Uh, so there was all these rumors that that's why he wasn't back. Um, but those obviously weren't correct. Because it had been the, like... Debut, the Firefly Funhouse, after WrestleMania. Just after WrestleMania. And then his first match back is SummerSlam. And I, and I think that's that's such interesting... And patient booking, right? Like, like let's really take our time with this and do it the right way. And I think the patience that they've shown with it, that that can only mean good things for how far they'll go with it. And I think if you're a Bray Wyatt fan, and there are a lot of Bray Wyatt fans, why not go all the way with them? Why not put the title on him? Why not have him win at SummerSlam, just keep winning, and then have him win the title at Royal Rumble or something? This is the time to do it. You're never going to have a hotter Bray Wyatt than right now. You never have a hotter character than right after they've been repackaged or right after they debut. So you've repackaged Bray Wyatt, a guy WWE clearly has a lot of trust in. I mean, they trust the whole family. Like, the whole family works for the company. Like, his sister works in production. Bo Dallas is also there. And Bo Dallas strikes me as someone who who is drastically underutilized, too. Like, Bo... I. Bet you, if given the chance, Bo Dallas could do a lot of cool stuff. Bo Dallas was NXT champion. Before, like, NXT was really NXT. And then, of course, his dad was uh, Mike Rotunda, IRS at one point. Um, Another interesting fact about Bray Wyatt, and I should preface this by saying I'm not totally sure this is true. Um, But why Bray tweeted out happy anniversary on the same day that the NWO formed. And I'm wondering if the Wyatt family debuted on the same day that Scott Hall did. I'll have to look that up, but so yeah. And in the chat, someone uh, suggesting bring back Luke Harper. Uh, that is something that Wyatt has actually addressed himself um, on Twitter. There was someone who basically said what was just said in in uh, in the chat about bringing back Luke Harper, and Wyatt responded to it. Uh, Wyatt responded, "I'm working on it," or he said, "I agree, I'm working on it," and. So that, to me, and obviously this is just speculation based on the tweet, is that he's working on getting the uh, getting Luke Harper added to his act. And there's no reason why Luke Harper couldn't be added to his act. The the people who think Bray Wyatt's awesome also think Luke Harper's awesome because Luke Harper is really really great. But Luke Harper's situation with WWE is a little sketchy at the moment. There were these, well, they weren't rumors. Luke Harper tweeted out that he had asked for his release, but then it was reported that WWE specifically were like Vince McMahon had written him a handwritten letter that he would not be released. And so you'd think then that, okay, well, his contract is going to be up. They added, like, six months onto it. So, like, he's gone then is what everybody figured. But Bray Wyatt tweeted out that he's trying to get Luke Harper added to his act. And then... I mean, Rowan is is paired up with Daniel Bryan right now, but I don't I don't know if you want to go back to the Wyatt family. Still, it doesn't seem like the Yowie Wowie Bray Wyatt that controls the Fiend would still be a cult leader. But he could certainly be aligned with Luke Harper in some way. And it would just be a way to get Luke Harper back on, you know, back on TV. Which is better than him just sitting at home and doing nothing. And not being able to wrestle for another promotion until he's 40. Not that 40 is even old now, though. I mean, shit, Chris Jericho is 48. Look at all the... The older wrestlers we have now. Rob Van Dam's 48. So, All right. So I think that's probably it for Bray Wyatt. Let's go down some of the other things that happened on Raw last night. We went over. We did a, a video... When was that? I guess the day after Fight for the Fallen. That was all on the results of that show. So the last couple of days with Extreme Rules. And then last night's Raw. I think last night's Raw, we really started to see the Paul Heyman more come into the product. And that is sort of what we... What had been fed more or less, to the wrestling uh, media is that you'll, I mean, Heyman was already there, but you'll start to see Heyman and Bischoff's storylines more after the pay-per-view as we sort of finish up the storylines from Extreme Rules. So it started off last night, Heyman and Brock Lesnar come out. And they say there's going to be a 10-man battle royal with the winning team going on to face Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, the main event at SummerSlam in Toronto. And I thought this was interesting that we just, they didn't just say, okay, we'll give the the rematch to Seth Rollins because he lost it on a Money in the Bank cash-in. But I guess they really want to stress this idea that there's no more immediate rematches for former champions. And I guess that includes even in Money in the Bank briefcase situations. Speaking of which, I crunched some of the cash-in numbers for Money in the Bank cash-ins. Also on an article for se The men's division is 16 of 20 for the cash ins, with the only ones not being able to successfully cash in were Cena, Damian Sandow, uh, Baron Corbin, and who was the other one? I don't know. But it was 16 of 20. And uh, for the women's money in the bank, three of three. And so they were listening off the names of who Brock Lesnar could face. And I really thought at the time that it was going to be Braun Strowman who who wins this battle royal. Like, I, I felt Braun Strowman was made to look the strongest of anyone not in the world title picture at SummerSlam after beating Bobby Lashley in what was sort of an epic last man standing match. And after the whole angle with him being electrocuted, it really seemed like Braun Strowman was going to be the guy here. And we were going to get Strowman versus Brock at SummerSlam. And I think we've got, like, we got Strowman versus Brock at some point. But you could always just do up that Braun's better now. Um, But it was Seth Rollins who would go on to win. Uh, After that, we did a best two-of-three falls match, which was Ricochet and The Usos, and they defeated The Revival and Robert Roode in a two-of-three falls match. So I have a rule, and that's I don't watch anything that I know isn't going to matter and isn't going to be all that good, and I really just can't get behind these matches that just feel like they're going out of their way to not wrestle during commercial breaks. And so I kind of skipped over that. Um, But I'm loving the ricochet and the club stuff. And this is where I feel Paul Heyman's influence. I mean, not just here, but I definitely feel it with what he's doing with the club. I think Heyman is sort of um, in tune with the modern day wrestling fan enough to know that Gallows and Anderson, um, have a bit of your modern day outsiders appeal to them. They're sort of, uh, you know, they have, they're, I hate using the term over, but they're, they're over with the hardcore fans. They were big in Japan. Um, and Heyman knows that they're an underutilized team, or a team that the, like your wrestling fan uh, thinks is an underutilized team. And so putting the club together, uh, of course you're making this allusion to, to Bullet Club. It essentially is Bullet Club, but they've dropped the bullet part. And that was a huge draw for a long time. It's it's maybe Bullet Club's not as hot as it used to be, but it certainly makes sense to tap into that. If you want to add some kind of edge to your product, they make a good heel stable. Right now, it seems a little bit too much like Anderson and Gallows are AJ's henchmen and not enough like they're their own team. Like their goal is to go win the tag titles and Styles' goal is to win the U.S. title, but perhaps it is going there eventually. It just hasn't gone that route yet. Because that's what I like about stables is that you see them in multiple divisions, in multiple programs, but the way WWE does stables is just the stable is in, you know, it's one group of guys, never more than five. You can fit them all on the screen at the same time, and they're all in one angle. For the most part, obviously there's exceptions to this, but it seems like WWE is more prone to having a, a stable just be in one angle as opposed to multiple guys in different divisions. I mean, and that's what they're doing right now, just having Anderson and Gallows as AJ's henchmen. but whatever, it's great. It's AJ and Ricochet in a feud together, and it it feels like, I don't know, we'll get some type of match between AJ Styles and Ricochet at SummerSlam. Obviously, we've had multiple matches between the two. So if they are going to have another title match, the championship committee, as you will, might put a stipulation on there, might put a gimmick on it, maybe a ladder match or something, something that would be able to really showcase AJ Styles and Ricochet and what they can do against each other. After that, it was a squash match victory for the Viking Raiders. And where do the Viking Raiders go from here? I mean, this is a top team in what is kind of a stacked division. Now, look at the Raw Tag Team Division. You got the Viking Raiders. You've got Anderson and Gallows. You've got the Revival. You got the Usos. You got uh, got the AOP when they come back. Imagine some matches between War Machine and AOP, um, or Viking Raiders and AOP. That would be pretty good. I also wonder if the Viking Raiders are a team that Ricochet might recruit to go up against the club. So if you remember, Ricochet, Viking Raiders, and Pete Dunne were a team for War Games one year. So there, there is some history there with Ricochet and the Viking Raiders teaming up. And at some point, Ricochet is going to need allies, right? If he's going up against the club, it makes sense for him to get some people on his side. And it would make sense for him to get a tag team to counter Anderson and Gallows. And we could get some Viking Raiders versus Anderson and Gallows matches. Then after this, we got the continuation of the janitor storyline when Cedric Alexander defeated Drew McIntyre. Um so Cedric got the unexpected kind of roll-up pin where he doesn't hit his finish, doesn't really beat the guy, but does a technical wrestling move and gets the surprise victory. So now that now they gotta wrestle again. Now Drew McIntyre needs to get his revenge. Needs to show that that was a fluke and that he's the better wrestler. And so we'll get that match again. We'll see what happens there. Then Samoa Joe defeated Finn Balor with kind of a crucifix pinning combination. It was a quick pin. And then as Balor was kind of reacting to the pin, Joe, because he's Samoa Joe and is a mean guy, uh, you know, attacked Balor and then. Balor fought back and then all the lights went out and music or some type of sounds we've never heard before played. And then when the lights come back on, it's the fiend and the fiend has Finn Balor and delivers what I guess is still called the sister Abigail. And I think there were holy, holy bleep chants. And that's how much buzz there is for this character. That the character was there got a holy bleep chant. And on a night where main events for SummerSlam were set, the most buzzworthy item is just Bray Wyatt showing up again. That's how you know a repackaging has gone well. Just the the character showing up again gets a holy bleep chant. And obviously, it's a different character now. Well, no, it's it's the same character, but the character's gone through a change. The character's evolved. This is the like I said before. This is this is the hottest Bray Wyatt will ever be. Well, I don't like well, maybe not. Maybe he'll do something even cooler later. But you have to assume that this is the hottest that Bray Wyatt will ever be. I don't think the fiend should lose a match until he's WWE champion. And has been for a long time. Go full Goldberg with him. Why not? There's no harm in it. And you could end up with a major, major Undertaker-like character out of it. You gotta do it. Absolutely no reason not to. Now I uh, now the next match I, I really want to talk about too, and it was when Zack Ryder defeated Mike Kanellis. Okay, so. This is going somewhere, and I'm pretty sure it'll be okay. It'll at least be okay. It won't be as bad as it seems everyone thinks it to be right now. So Paul Heyman, who now is the executive director of Raw, is a huge Maria fan. A huge Mike Bennett slash fan. And very likely, this is just speculation, I feel he lobbied to get them jobs with the company in 2017. When Paul was the head of OVW, he was working a lot with CM Punk. CM Punk was dating Maria at the time. Maria really won over Paul Heyman with her mind for the business like i don't think people understand like the potential or just like maria is not just some other diva she was a diva i'm pretty sure she posed for playboy i'm shocked that i don't know for sure whether or not that's the truth um but she was a big star she was voted diva of the year she was incredibly popular But who Maria is now when she's a little bit older and a whole lot wiser, and she's got an ally who's the executive director of Raw. Heyman has praised Maria at every possibility. He's referred to her as the most untapped resource creatively in the business. So there's some... and the second Paul Heyman takes over Raw, Maria Canellis is in an angle and on the show. She wasn't on Raw before Paul Heyman was the executive director. The day after, and he'd been around, but for some reason the day after, that's the day that Maria starts this angle. And I think that's because... Um, basically, they started running angles that are going to pay off after Extreme Rules at that time. So, Heyman's Heyman's ideas have been sprinkling in, and now it's all Heyman. And I think we got this Maria Kanellis-Heyman idea sprinkled in before Extreme Rules. So... Mike Canellis is made out to be this complete loser, right? And so everyone's like, whoa, this is the end of Mike Canellis. Oh, my God. It's like, yeah, this is the end of Mike Canellis. But, like, a new character is going to emerge out of this. Like, he's being beat so badly right now. And remember, these two just signed new contracts. Um, and of course, Maria really is pregnant and it had been reported in the anonymous source wrestling based media that maybe there were, or actually, no, no, they never reported that. Um, sorry that, uh, so Maria found out she was pregnant after she signed the deal. Uh, and WWE was informed that she was pregnant after they signed the deal. My thought on that is, I wouldn't give a bleep, even if Maria knew she was pregnant, signed a five-year deal, and then told them she was pregnant. That's her right. And they know that. They know that with a woman around her age who just had a kid, they know the deal with Ronda Rousey, there would never, never be heat on a woman for getting pregnant, even right after she signed a contract. Never. Not even in wrestling. Not even in wrestling. You, that's just, you can't do that. Or if it's happened, it's the most ridiculous thing ever. So Mike Canellis is being beaten down and beaten down and beaten down. But we keep seeing him getting beaten down and beaten down. So it wasn't like, hey, we're just going to get revenge. Or get, you're getting beaten up and whatever. We're seeing this for a reason. We're seeing this because it's going to change Mike Canalis. This is Mike Canalis's arc. And he might go away for a long time. And when, and And when he comes back, he's going to be completely separate from Maria. And then they won't sort of be involved with each other anymore. And Mike will be a different guy. And this is... What's happening is... Haman is taking their old act and just dismantling it. Just destroying it beyond belief so that it's done. It's done, and now something new can emerge. And so each character is on their arc. So it seems like they're just destroying these people for no good reason. Like it's not even to get somebody else to be more popular, right? Like it's not like they were doing this to make Zack Ryder more popular. Like we'll never Zack Ryder won this match and we'll probably not even see Zack Ryder again for months. You know, he doesn't have a match coming up at SummerSlam. This was just done. We only saw this so that we would see Mike Canales get embarrassed as badly as possible. So, you have to ask yourself, why are we seeing that? And it. And this is all I can say is like, this is his arc. Something is happening right now which changes Mike Canellis, which changes Mike Canellis and alters the course of Maria Canellis. And Mike Canellis might come back with a totally terrible new gimmick or whatever and and or he could come back as something new and be great i mean this is the guy that is a former iwgp heavyweight tag team champion he's a former ring of honor tag team champion you don't win either of those two titles without being pretty good i mean you don't go to new japan without being pretty good let alone be put in a in a months-long angle with Anderson and Gallows that culminates in huge tag team title matches in front of tens of thousands of people, New Japan doesn't have confidence. If New Japan doesn't have confidence in you, you're not in that spot. So, and if New Japan has confidence in you, really anybody should be able to have confidence in you. So, if you want my opinion, I think this is Paul Heyman just taking an axe to the old act so that something new can sprout. <laughs> but I don't know, I'm just talking bleep. Uh then the club defeated the Lucha House Party. Like I said kind of before, so this is a six man tag, so and so um, you know, it's it's still the clubs in the one angle, the club versus Ricochet. Um, but perhaps after SummerSlam, we'll see Anderson and Gallows still be in the club, but go after the tag titles as well. I wonder if we'll, we'd ever get new members of the club as well. Like, obviously, if they weren't guys that were ever part of Bullet Club, the fans are sort of going to reject them. There's other members or former members of Bullet Club. I mean, Adam Cole. Adam Cole used to be in Bullet Club. I mean, he was in like a Ring of Honor Bullet Club, but that still. So then Natalia. So Natalia won a fatal four-way. Actually, it wasn't a fatal four-way. It was a four-way elimination match over Naomi, Alexa Bliss, and Carmella. So now we're going to get Natalia versus Becky Lynch at SummerSlam. I think that's interesting because SummerSlam's in Toronto. And Natalia, whenever she comes here, for those of you new to the channel, this podcast slash YouTube live thing is being recorded down the street from where SummerSlam is going to be held. And it's actually across the street from where WrestleMania 18 was being held. And I was at WrestleMania 18. It was awesome. That was Rock Hogan. Um, the Toronto crowd loves Natalia. Uh, they've also, like, I mean, all crowds love Becky, but this match means a lot for Natalia. I think the Toronto crowd is going to cheer for Natalia over Becky. It's just kind of how things are done in this city. Um, one, she's Canadian, which is I, it's just a thing. You cheer for Canadians, just like Australians cheer for Australians and so on. Uh, but also like Natalia is wrestling royalty. Um, being from the Hart family, she's just the kind of wrestler that is so well respected here. There's no way the Toronto crowd doesn't cheer for Natalia over Becky. It'll be interesting. I mean, like, They'll just play it up. They'll say bizarro world and then Becky will get cheered the next night. So it won't matter. But it's, you know, interesting that they decided to do that. I think there will be a lot of people in Toronto kind of stoked for that match. I'm one. Um, I'm super glad that anytime Natalia can play a bigger role in the women's division, it's a good thing because she's a good wrestler. (laughs) So that's good. And good things are good. Then Dolph Ziggler and Miz TV were or Miz were on Miz TV, and I did not watch that because I knew it would not be good. Our Truth defeated Drake Maverick in a hotel room. I thought that was fairly funny. I think all that stuff's funny. I think, I mean, Our Truth is hilarious. Drake Maverick is pretty funny too. I think both Drake Maverick is a guy. Why isn't he? Like, right now, he should be doing the 24-7 stuff, because it's good. But why not later is he not a manager? Because he's not very tall, so he's going to make somebody look big. He's really funny. He's good at just doing, like... Like, he was the 205 Live general manager, just because he's good at getting storylines across and stuff like that. It just feels like you could easily make him a manager, and he could... Be beneficial that way but anyway this this was funny so R-Truth and Drake Maverick and I think everybody's starting to well not everybody obviously there's gonna be people that hate this but kind kind of like not obviously not at all like Bray Wyatt but uh there are people who like if you ask them what their favorite part about Raw is they might say the 24-7 stuff Because it's funny and it makes you laugh. And it's important to laugh. There's been studies done that people who laugh more lead the highest quality or like they're the happiest. We should all be trying to laugh more. So and then Seth Rollins won the 10-person battle royal. And like I said, I kind of thought this would be Braun Strowman. I kind of thought this would be Braun Strowman. But it's going to be Seth, Brock, and obviously because Brock cashed in the Money in the Bank briefcase. And so they didn't get a one-on-one match. And when they wrestled at WrestleMania, Seth beat him. That's another thing to consider, too. The last time these two had a one-on-one match, Seth and Brock, Seth won at WrestleMania. So what happens if Seth wins again at SummerSlam? All right, so we're just about at an hour, so I'm going to cut it off there. Thanks very much. Sorry I didn't get to uh, more questions from the chat. I'll get more to that next time. Thanks again, everyone. Make sure you have hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any more, I don't know, video stuff from Spoiler Free Wrestling.